0: The 21st century is characterized by the rise of China as an economic and military superpower and by the rivalry of the great powers, namely the United States, Russia and China. The Ukraine war has triggered a new dynamic in the relationship of these great powers, also in their rivalry. But it has also created clarity in an important case. Only China, and not Russia, is capable of replacing the United States as the leading world power. The current American national security strategy confirms my assessment as follows, I quote, The People's Republic of China is the only competitor that both intends to reshape the international order and increasingly possesses the economic, diplomatic, military and technological power to do so. Beijing has ambitions to create an extended sphere of influence in the Indo-Pacific and to become the world's leading power.
1: And
0: that's why, in the Ukraine war, the United States aims to weaken Russia, its second geopolitical rival, politically, economically and militarily, to such an extent that they can focus on the confrontation with China, their biggest adversary. To achieve their strategic goal, the United States has sought close cooperation with Europe However, it should be considered that the European allies, just like in the Ukraine war, are also intended to be involved in a future conflict with China. Together with Australia, Japan, New Zealand and South Korea, they are supposed to form an Indo-Pacific network of partners and allies against China. One might think this is a clever move by the United States. To first strike Russia, the weaker of the two geopolitical rivals, and then, in a proxy war, of course, not directly, to then turn to China, the stronger opponent. However, like the American strategy expert Harlan Ullman, I believe that the USA is making a big mistake by opening a strategic military two-front confrontation against China and Russia. Harlan Ullman described this as a ticking time bomb.
1: Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenge in the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Barca with Coco, teacher and socialist Andy Lepson and socialist Kenny Cepeda. We are online at whatsleftpodcast.com. You can find that link to our site in the episode notes. You can also find our personal my personal at Don Eduardo Barca. Uh, please subscribe, rate review, view, turn on your notifications, and share your favorite episode where we found this episode. And uh We can always have shirts be requested if that is what people want. Andy will be there for you. All right. This week, we are doing uh, a topic on the anniversary of the Ukraine and Russia conflict and the meddling of all these powers, NATO and U.S. American powers meddling to try to do something that has been now two years. Andy?
2: Yeah. um as people who follow this show know, I'm pretty much obsessed by what's been going on uh, with the U.S. proxy war against Russia using Ukraine as a battering ram. Um, and sometimes I'll even mention NATO, um, but uh, and I'll come back to that. Um, but it, it was the two-year anniversary, and uh, I have been looking for an excuse to talk about that with both of you. Um, uh and I found this um this talk by a German general, a former German general, who was also a former head of NATO um in the in the early 2000s. Um and I think his, he was a general in the actually I think he was an inspector general, which is above generals in German in the German army. Um his name, he gave this presentation, and I can't remember where, um, but well, I'll put a description of the I mean i can give you the link below if you want to listen to the whole thing because you definitely should. Um his name is Um General Harold Kuyat Um Kouyot. Um and I saw this on a website um from called Neutrality Studies. Um, and that's headed up by this guy, pa- Pascal Lotas, um, which is a very good website. Um very that neutrality studies. There's a number of websites I'd mention. Um, I'll mention um, Brian Berletic in the New Atlas, um, the Duran with Alex Mercuris, and Alex Mercurius himself does a podcast, History Legends, um, Weeb does, and Military Summary does stuff. So I would add now Neutrality Studies to to your list if you're interested in following people who are doing interesting things or finding interesting people to, to, to interview uh, around the war. Going on, that's centered in Ukraine. Um, so this general, um, I thought, gave a very interesting speech, and um, I think people again, like last episode when we inter- it was the Tucker Carlson and Mike Benz, I would recommend people, you know, re- hear the speech and then listen to what we were going to say about it. Um, but I, I wanted to go back and say where are things at in Ukraine and where they're going in light of that speech, in light of what's developed recently. And now, in light of, uh, I don't know if both of you heard, Macron has been making some statements, and I want to talk about that um, uh, about NATO potentially getting directly involved uh, in sending troops into Ukraine. So I want to talk about all that. Um, but my first curiosity was this guy went over a range of subjects, and I think gave a great summary of what where things are at. I wanted to hear from you, Eduardo, and from you, Kenny. What were the big takeaways from what he had to say, and then? From there, maybe we'll just go on into like where I see things are at, and and we'll take either questions about it, or you guys can make comments and just discuss what's going on right now.
1: I think it did cover a, a lot, a range of of related uh, uh, happenings or or events happening around the world. It summarized really well and gave a conclusive statement at the end of what needs to be done. And what has been done without a lot of uh, Russia propaganda against you know anti- anti-sentiment towards Russia uh, I think number one it described the the political powers that are happening in the in globally, which is China is emerging as the number one political power I didn't, over Russia and even the USA and that is the number one competitor for the USA uh and so the under, the way to undermine that power because in order to stop that influence what i have understood is that you would have to go after russia so that you would be able to undermine that power and so this is a uh geopolitical strategy in the way that nato is right close to uh russia in a way to 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 demonstrate to see what happens and in, 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 with this Ukrainian with this Ukrainian project and contrary to what every US media or even even European media says about what is happening which is the belief that Ukraine is gaining gaining uh, and, and it's not gaining but it's not it's like going back and down but gaining Russia is actually gaining more ground and is actually winning and uh But before I go to Russia and Ukraine, uh, the other thing I really appreciated was that there is a lot of other things that we're not really aware of, like the powers with Latin America and the Middle East and uh, Africa with their second, I forgot how he said it, second bricks or like third bricks, separate ways of of allyships that are happening. Behind the scenes, where, as before, the dollar was weighing hard heavily because of the golden the gold standard, and now the petrol standard it is, which Saudi Arabia is now determining what that will look like in the future with China. And so I'm I'm seeing these shifts of power. It's like watching continents move, you know, even though they're not literally moving, but they are moving in these alliances, which is. Making the USA panic and not um, and reinforcing the the alliance they have with Europe and to and and convincing Europe that this is the way to go and and what I really um, you know I'm upset with now that two years in is that there were peace negotiations being held in Istanbul and these were held in April of 2022. You know, I was just what two months in after being in Mexico. During that time, I remember flying over from Mexico to, to to California, and suddenly the big news of Russia and Ukraine and and my family saying to me, "Why don't you just come back?" <laughs> but there were the negotiations in 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 Istanbul, whereas Germany was also involved. And so, what happened to that? Even Zelensky was saying that there was there was a compromise but apparently it is the usa that is continuously wanting beating the war the the wars the drum wars and so what's happening is we're we've in this situation and the usa is not going it's like almost like pride not going to revert back on something that it's already far to win uh I could say more, but I think I'll leave it for discussion. That's a summary of what I think I I would like for us to to think about. What I obviously, being in Latin America, was seeing how even Latin American countries are, are even my country, which is a North American country. In case people don't realize that, it's the only North American country. Uh and and Mexico is also trying to see what it's what their role would be in in trying to ally themselves with. The BRICS, the BRICS countries, where they would suddenly have another parallel currency or powers in the world as a globalized society. I mean, things are shifting a lot. Uh, I'm what I what I'm what I'm fearing, or what maybe I don't know. Should, well, there's no everyone should watch the whole thing, and so I'm not trying to give any spoilers. This isn't like a film, but the end of it all is you know, is that Russia's ultimately will defeat Ukraine. And um, and there is, as you said and pointed out to Macron, which the idea of troops, NATO troops going into Ukraine is now being discussed by one of the world leaders that is admired and, you know, in, and has a lot of influence in Europe. And what will that lead us to? If we see how World War One happened, if World War Two happened, ultimately that will lead us. As I forget his name, the German general said, "World War Three. He didn't say literally World War Three. He said, "Ultimately, a nuclear disaster." So that's a summary of what I've listened to, and I just heard it today. The entire thing slowly, and I took notes, and I hope I can contribute. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very much. Um, appreciated that this is a different sort of conversation that's happening in the USA or even in England, as some of my friends there are, you know, listening to the media in different from Russian propaganda, not Russian propaganda, but propaganda from
3: the West. I think that's where I want to add on to what you said, Um, that
4: he brings up, you know, how he's critical of how the coverage, right, of, of what is actually happening, the reality of what's happening, uh, and how the West presents, uh, you know, Russia's uh, military actions, right? Like, uh, because in the West is portrayed, at least the mainstream, as a, uh, you know, Russian land grab, right? Like it's just this voracious uh, imperialist. Uh, Power, right, and a pragmatic, you know, move and a response to a, a, a like a poker game, right, and the Russians calling the bluff of the um, West, and essentially the U.S. Um, and so I remember the general talks about how Putin doesn't just wake up and you know decides to go in a war, and um, and also that. He also he's not defending Russia. He's I guess trying to show the logic of of, of what's happened um, because he talks about how Russia does not, in terms of strategy, from from the beginning they never showed the intentions of occupying the entire of Ukraine because they didn't put the, the the number of forces that they need to to occupy. You know, um, uh, the, the the entire country would be like way multiples. You know. It, Because they used 190,000 troops, I think, at the beginning, and he said that the number would have been a number of times bigger. And so, and and then, you know, yeah, and then from that, he says that, uh, to what Eduardo said, that if Russia was to invade Ukraine, uh, then the the reasoning, which is to create a buffer between NATO and, and Russia, is obsolete, because now they... They are up against NATO, you know, like, and so, and that creates a situation where potentially uh, through an accident or, uh, you know, like a uh, through an accident, accidental situation where things can get out of hand, and so Russia does not want that. They want to have a buffer, and from the beginning, that's what they've said, right? Like that, they they basically wanted to eliminate, they wanted to prevent Ukraine from becoming a NATO member. So that they don't have weapons on their border pointing at their other land if they push all the way through ukraine ukraine becomes their land then again they 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 are at the situation they're trying to avoid and he shows he's like you said Eduardo. Uh, he talks about the negotiations that happened like even six weeks into the the, the start of the war and where the u.s pressure ukraine to not you know take that deal and um I guess another thing that for me it's very interesting is that he he really doesn't talk a lot about the, the strategic uh, details of the Ukrainian. He he is explicit about that, like you know he doesn't want to get into detail about, about that. But he talks about the the global situation, what's happening, and and like you said Eduardo, he's talking about three point eight billion people becoming part of BRICS. You know, in in and, and, and like you said, I think that's a great metaphor. Um, continental shifts happening. In terms of how power is organized and um in from the onset uh remember he he sets up the frame right like that this war is not about russia (laughs) you know russia this war is about china ultimately because the u.s has stated this everyone knows this you know china is becoming you know stronger and capable uh and is sitting you know pretty behind russia but um that alliance, uh, Russia and China present a big issue against uh, U.S. hegemony. Uh, and I think that's this is another point that, that I think that was very key uh, from Kujat, right, to highlight uh, that historically, he says over the last hundred years, uh, the West and especially the U.S. has been very uh, watchful of any potential German and Russian alliance. Because uh, the 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 potential of of, of Russian um, uh, production and resources, and German capital and engineering, uh, could present a very big threat to the powers existing powers, and so I think that was a very huge point too. And and uh, and then I think that also contextualizes why the hell the U.S. blew up that pipeline, and why the German economy. Is being you know uh, pummeled uh, in order to keep them on the on the side of the West because uh, again the, the 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 West or U.S. Um, because again that relationship is, is a, it, it would mess up the game uh, of the the U.S. because now you would have Germany, Russia, and China align, you know aligned together because uh, I I heard in other talks you know preparing for this that. I, I, I heard uh, Douglas McGregor, a former U.S. Uh, general, uh,
3: talking about how NATO is. Sorry. He's a colonel. Colonel. It's a colonel. But but yeah, he he talks about
4: how uh, the NATO is. NATO's armies are nothing, like you know. And I think we'll get into that when it comes to France and Macron, uh, like. Uh, they don't have the capacity. Even the German army, the German army is as best as it gets, and it's still in shambles, you know. And, and so they're 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 incapable of sustaining a, a war. So uh, yeah, so that that NATO itself doesn't have the capacity to put boots on the ground, you know. And in the US itself is having troubles recruiting people. Uh, and but that presents another challenge again. But uh, that's why I think it's relevant that he's bringing you know, Germany as a piece of the puzzle, you know, into this, you know, and I think in some ways as much as Ukraine,
3: Um, but but I'll stop there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think to me, you you all struck on, for me, the major points of this. Um, I was very much struck that this was one of the first times somebody who talks about this started the conversation with china started the conversation with the national defense strategy that the u.s came out which was basically said our main competitor the one that's actually the one who's we're watching is china yes russia's their you know their their deputy but the the sheriff we're dealing with is china um and i thought really got my attention and definitely the way he understood that the the German, the possibility of a German-Russian alliance, and, and the idea that Russia had tried to come into NATO after the Soviet Union collapsed, and the U.S. was had no interest in that happening. And Putin talks about that in that in his interview that he had with Sarko Carlson. And that's not an accident. It's not like oh, we don't like Putin. There's no way they want that because the possibility of an independent Germany creates the possibility of an independent Europe, and the possibility of an independent Germany and Europe allying itself with Russia. Now you have an axis of power that can challenge the United States and China, actually. And, and Russia has to make a decision about, okay, am I, are we doing this thing with China? Are we doing it with Europe? Maybe they figure out a way, but but really it puts the United States like as a smallest, one of the smaller poles in a, mul- in a truly multipolar world. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, it's definitely Nord Stream pipeline smashing the European economies. And at the very same time, the United States is is stuck while they while they can't they can't trust this ally to allow it to be independent, so it so they have to weaken it. They also need this ally to fight in the European theater, <laughs> um, and, and 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 he's saying this is what the German the the German general said, and he's count and they're counting on Europe joining the United States in their battle against China, like that. You know and yes, they'll bring in Japan and Australia and uh, South Korea and all those forces uh to to fight China as well, but they are counting on Europe to do that but first but first things first and and he describes this the what the approach they've taken as a blunder political blunder to go after Russia in this way and I think that's very true um I think we, people should look back think back to Trump in two thousand and sixteen <laughs> who was saying we should make Friends with Russia, and this was and everyone thought he was a he was a Putin puppet then or like that was the that was the Democrats and like that, but if you want to if you wanted to make this work if you thought the United States could actually do this and and challenge China, you don't fight Russia, <laughs> you you ally with Russia and then you and then you go after them. But again, I think the problem is an alliance with Russia brings in Russia. Into Europe, and that presents the possibility of Germany and Russia. So I get it; like I do get it now. I I get how all those people. It's not just anti Russia; they're just again, everyone. All these motherfuckers in the United States are make America great again. They're all trying to do this. They're all trying to figure out how to make America the greatest empire that can run the globe. Um, From Trump MAGA to Biden MAGA, they're all they just have a different idea of how to do it. Because what they're saying to themselves, the people who oppose Trump's strategy is we cannot bring Russia into this alliance. It's not possible because Germany right now has a pipeline shared with these folks. And that alliance just means Russia is going to start to take our allies from us because they're closer to them geographically, historically, like there's just, we, we're we no one over here. We're, at, we're separated by a goddamn ocean. Um, <clears throat> so that's some of the things I started to think about. Um, what else? Was important from that, um, and I, I was just impressed. You know, the guy was talked about Alexander the Great, um, and the and the and he was saying, um, I like this analogy because there's the the sort of Damocles. No, no, not sort of Damocles. There's the Gordian knot that needs to be untied, where where a knot is tied to a yoke, and because this knot is tied there, it's stopping all of Alexander's armies from moving. And like people are like, what the hell? What are you gonna do? You know how do we take care of this? And, and, uh, you know, from the myth, this is the idea that Alexander, instead of untying the knot, takes the sword out and cuts the knot. Right. And, uh, and he was like, you know what, what?" he goes, there's another story there. Um, There's a story that Alexander didn't actually take a sword out and cut the knot. He just removed the metal pin from the yoke. And then the, then, then the, the thing was able to move and the armies were able to move. And he goes, he goes, I wonder, it seems to me that the United States is just always has a sword in its hand and is always cutting the knot with a sword. And instead of pulling the piece out and not you don't have to tear, you know, you don't have to like destroy anything. Um and I thought that was a very interesting analogy. I, I really like that. Um so I'm, you go back and listen to that because I'm just stealing it completely from him because I don't know history well enough. Um, so I guess what it brings me to is the fact that I now have a deeper understanding of the United States has a very difficult problem to solve it globally. It has an enemy in China, enemy that it's a competitor in China. It, it has an alliance with, with Europe and Germany and France, but it can't allow that, that that alliance is unsteady because Russia is right there ready to steal them as allies. And so it has to just play this game of keeping its, some of its allies weak and and disempowered and dependent on the United States and at the same time call those allies in to fight a global war and it's i i just think it's got a bad hand here um now i think there's more to say but i think the, the, for me i the, now i would want to go to the like the update on where things are at particularly with macron talking about what he's saying but i want to leave it at that because i felt you guys did a great job <laughs> hitting all the, the the highlights of uh of what i got from, from this this German general. I mean
1: I, I'm I'm thinking uh, how much what you said it's 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 I'm just thinking about Latin America because you as you say that Europe, Europe in trying to keep them weak but also keep them together because they could become a potentially threatening force. I mean we just said that Germany could be one and Russia together and be just threatening in itself just as they are
2: and um but you know i'm the- and sorry and and one thing to say about the threatening what we mean what we mean is that germany would have an interest an economic and political interest in joining up with with russia and that they would begin to become an economic power of themselves that's all that is we're not i don't think we're seeing like then germany will say let's go throw nukes at the united states it's 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 not threatening. It's threatening in the capitalist terms, like you will become a big economic power, political power, military power, resource power that can then be bigger than us, and therefore you can start to take over territory or take over markets and ultimately ter- territory that we can't go into. You'll just do capitalism better than us. That's what they're worried about. That so I want to be clear about that when we talk about threats and things like that.
4: Because I think Sorry, the, US, the U.S. We lose a lot of leverage that it has in the world now, but but that fact that you know they're looking somewhere
1: else and it just to 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 me it it just seems the way that it's losing hold on the world stage. You know, um, is you see these irresponsible decisions such as keeping Ukraine there. Uh, in war with Russia for the longest time, which everyone here is using the, here, I'm not in the USA, but everyone in the USA, in in trying to keep with solidarity, talking about independence Ukraine with those Ukrainian flags, it's a strategy. It's it's a way to keep themselves in economic and military and, uh, yeah, in power. And uh, it's losing its hold, you know. And that is the same as what we're seeing with Latin American countries where it's I, don't, I, don't, I can see something like this also happening where if the country wants to join or be elsewhere. Like I just said, Mexico, which is the second largest economy in all of Latin America, expressing interest especially in in BRICS, especially when Congress last year was just talking about uh, military intervention in my country because of the cartels, using the cartels as a... As a win right like saying it's about that when it really isn't, and uh you know and 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 then suddenly Mexico' saying, if you do that it'll be a responsible thing to do because that's not what they want they don't want more uh they don't want to be held that way, Like they don't want to be used that way, Even though there's a lot of things that are being used for mexico usa, and so I can see how this is just happening in the USA's own backyard with Latin America losing its hold. So I just want to say, it's so, it's it's a, it's a like these gangsters. I remember you using that word, Andy, a long time ago. Like these gangsters trying to keep hold of their own, <laughs> using the word cartel because I've just thought of that now. They're cartels, they're, you know, they, they're plazas. How do you say they're plazas? They're territories. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it, it's uh, trying to keep as many as possible in competition with other countries. Yeah. You know, um and I think that's that's the perfect analogy
4: i mean and not it's it's not an analogy they they are literally you know the biggest mafias of the world um <laughs> uh, and like we're often like bombarded with the, you know this idea that somehow like the drug cartels are more dangerous and more violent than you know than the u s government and the you know Russian government and the you know the ruling classes really right because uh um, and so, yeah, the, you know what's happening is like the, there is an opening. the big boss no longer has a tight grip on on its power and it, and really in its ability to execute violence, you know <laughs> because uh th- that is what I believe underpins a lot of this system, you know, it's your ability to enforce violence right we, and and I think that's maybe where we're moving to Ukraine because that that's what I think has uh. Exhibited the the weak hand of the U.S. You know, the, it, it's in, it's because they were trying to call a bluff on Russia. Russia said, "Well, call your bluff. We'll go into it." You know, and because in in some ways the U.S. had to choose. I remember a long time ago we talked about how the ruling class in the U.S. was divided on going after Russia or China first. You know, but they knew they had to go after you know after them. Uh, but you know, uh, and they, they they went after the the one they thought was weaker. <laughs> you know, in Ukraine, right through a proxy war. This is not a, a Ukrainian war. This is an American war. Being, you know, you seen uh, you said it, lives in Ukraine as a uh, uh, ram ramhead. What is it? What, what head? Oh,
3: yeah,
4: yeah and, and so and they're willing to expand Ukrainian lives in order to weaken Russia, but <laughs> that has not happened. You know, and actually the opposite the opposite has happened, you know, where uh, uh, there is an argument to be made that the Russian army is the best fucking army there is in the world now because they're 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 ready for modern warfare. You know, they've learned the lessons and like they've lost a lot of people. you know, they have they, they you know, it's a fucking real dirty word. it's not a it's not your Afghanistan. It's not your, you know, Iraq, you know, where the u s. is fighting. Like uh, you know, uh, guerrilla war- guerrilla warfare essentially people who don't have you know the the tanks they don't have the missiles they don't have you know the tactical ability that that Russia does now, and, and so you know again in in, in the, I think the U.S. was running out of options and you know um, they're also being left behind because the the the, the, the as Ukraine has shown. The the modality of warfare has changed. You know the, the Houthis. You know can, can provide can pr- show how how complicated they can make make it for someone with the might of the U.S. You know they, they can no longer hold the space of uh, of that strait. Right? What was that strait?
2: Uh, Al-, Al oh god damn it! The strait that's into the Red Sea. I which- can't remember.
4: But you know, that's right that the Houthis are 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 basically creating an embargo not only for for Israel but for Europe too. It's creating even more complicated you know, complications for Europe. And so again, the world is changing. And in, you know, the US um has legacy systems according to Scott Ritter, you know, systems like, you know, uh the the uh, warships, right, that are now are vulnerable to drone attacks by you know just like sporadic drone attacks underwater from above um in in southern you have a, a warship that is no longer useful right and, and it's expensive and you know so little someone else can make uh, complicate your operations in that way and then if you ha- actually you want to control a territory or, or you know, doing operation like the Russians have done, the US is incapable of doing that. It doesn't have the the the, the army. It doesn't have the logistical uh, uh, support. It doesn't have the industrial capacity to hold an industrial war with, you know, a, a, a country like Russia or China. And 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 it's shown because they haven't been able to get actual weapons to to Ukraine. You know, the they, is out of weapons essentially. At least that's what I hear. Uh, in in the Russians have also masterminded uh, strategically to a point where they're they're dominating and they have essentially a strategic uh, victory. You know the battles are still going to continue, but Russia ha- is at a, 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 has a strong point, uh, stance where they don't have to go in for the kill yet. You know they, they they're slowly bleeding out Ukraine, in despite like. The, you know all this talk of money, money going to Ukraine. Um, something the Garland Nixon talks about is that you know that money is not going to create weapons overnight. <laughs> you know, and you need a, an industrial capacity that the West doesn't have, but Russia has created that industrial capacity and demonstrated you know
1: a massive strength on that point. Yeah, and as we are discussing this, is like. One thing, I forget the general's name right now, because it's a German name. Uh, Harold um, Kuya. Yeah, said, is that Putin didn't just wake up one morning and say, oh, we're going to attack Ukraine. This has long been coming. I really said this before, too, right? Like, this has been said by others as well. This has been um a long time coming. If you have, you know, this, this further expansion by NATO, which is provocation, And we've used this example before, you know. If what if Mexico was that expansion of Russia over, you know, to what would that feel like to USA, you know, uh, in it with the threats of, you know, of having that close of a an enemy at your border, uh, you know, it just that those those are the things that I, I I remember him saying that. That I, we have seen already. We've 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 read about and we've talked discussed, but I think when we discuss this, it's like people forget that, that how much of NATO's uh, power and and how much the USA has. I think dropped the treaties. He dropped, I forget the treaties in, in 2002. The other one in 19. I forget where what year. They're all listed. But do you remember the treaties that the, the where he pulled out for the missiles? Where they would oh, stop, the uh,
3: inter- and they would have, have inspections.
2: Nuclear, the Intermediate Nuclear, the INF, IN, I think they're intermediate nuclear forces treaties and things like that.
1: Yeah,
3: and and, that and they then wouldn't start have,
2: start talks and things like that. And that they wouldn't have inspections. in the USA pulled out. I think first. I remember. I don't. Was it? Yeah, I don't know. He did, the German general referred to those, but didn't he just said that they were those agreements were were. Were, were set aside he didn't state that they were set aside initiated by united states or russia um but i do think some of those united states got out but i'm not sure if russia got out as well I don't, i'm not sure
1: right maybe i i'm not trying to spread disinformation on youtube
4: <laughs> i think uh, what he said is that russia got out of one of the treaties because of the ukraine war you know, that's what they said you know that this is a threat to us so we had, you know the and the general argues that then Russia had the legal basis to go and build up its capacity. Um, you know, and, but I do think like, you know, I'm more cynical about these treaties and stuff, you know, um, because like, you know, they're always doing shit in the background, you know, like, even though they're saying, you know, they have these disagreements and like the, the biggest question I have is like, that I don't think it's been addressed. Right. Because it, we're talking, we talk about blunders and like dumb politicians, and I don't think that that's what's happening in in this you know maneuvering. Like uh, I don't see it that way. I I think it's more of like the momentum of of, of, of the this, this system that we live in, you know. Because w- what I would ask is like, you know, like so I, I get from my perspective, I, I see the logic of Putin. You know, and they they also had their backs against the wall, and I'm not defending that, but that's part of the game. So he had to go on the offensive and push back, and it's like back the fuck off. So then the question is, I, I have is like, why did NATO have to keep pushing? You know, and and I don't know if you guys want to take a, a, a stab at that. You know, why did NATO have to keep pushing east? You know,
2: I I believe because the assessment was that Russia was weak and that. Russia was weak now and was only going to get stronger in time. China was only going to get stronger in time. And they, they took the – they look, Russia like you said, R- Russia's strategy was to send 190,000 troops against about 300,000 troops that Ukraine had. And these were NATO-trained Ukrainian so, uh, soldiers with fortifications. And uh, Russia knew that. The United States knew that. They had been being built since Russia had helped to ferment the coup in Ukraine since 2014. So you're talking about eight years of training. No, t- almost 10 years of training. Well, no, eight years, eight years of training. Um, and people talked about the Ukrainian military as one of the strongest militaries in Europe. And so I think their assessment in the same r- way that they thought that Russia was militarily weak, they also thought they were economically weak, that they would be able to tank their economy as well um and when they saw that russia went in only with 190,000 troops when they saw that russia in only a month or two is trying to sue for a peace agreement they took that as a sign of weakness and there's truth in that because russia didn't want to take territory they basically went in with this force they were surrounding Ky- Kyiv, um to uh to basically try to get this agreement reached and then once they had that thing Close to agreement as a as a sign of good faith that they were asked to move their troops away from Kiev, and they did. And from there, everyone says, oh, look at their retreating, and the United States had already scuttled the agreement, and they're off to the races. I think the United States just misassessed their their own ability. They misassessed Europe. They misassessed Russia. They misassessed China. Um, And they just thought, and they really do think, they really did think that they had this these super tech, the super technology, Patriot systems, Abrams tanks, uh, HIMARS, uh, Atakums missiles. Um, they just think that, oh, we've just got this great Western military. And by the way, we spend, the United States spends way more in the military. So we got to be bigger and badder than them. We got to be able to thump them. And now, And now we don't have to fight them directly. We can have Ukraine trained Ukrainian soldiers die in order to fight against Russia. It's a, it's like what uh, that um, what's the the southern the Southern Californian South Carolina dude, let Mitch Lindsey Graham. So Lindsey Graham was like basically saying this is a great deal for us, and that's how the United States thought about it. It's like we can spend a little treasure, we can give you the arms. You will do you will do the dying, but you will kill Russians for us and we'll just destroy their economy while you kill their Russians. And they thought they were just going to like literally have Russia shrivel like an apple rotting on a rotting off the tree. And then they could take on China because they were keeping that. Like, remember, they during this time, they had switched their role around Taiwan. Taiwan, it was no Biden had said it's no longer just a thing about like uh, Taiwan has the right to independent. No you know they were basically saying that Biden basically said we will like the general mentioned this if if you attack or if you try to like to attack taiwan we will militarily defend taiwan we'll we'll help them defend themselves which is something they hadn't said before and so the united states was just thinking that we're about to we're about to like collapse russia we're preparing to take on china time is not on the us side in my opinion with regards to china and so they have to go now um and so, I mean, and they they forced this agreement because when when Putin came to them and said, look, can we, we let's just keep Ukraine neutral. Can you agree to that? Can we get an agreement in writing? Olaf Schultz or whatever that NATO guy said, forget it. No. Now, who's he talking? He's, he's not just talking for himself. He's he's consulted the United States. And that was understood then. that It was like, OK, we're just going to tell them literally we're going to be putting we're going to be putting weapons right up to your border. And so that's why, that's what, I, I just think they misassessed their their abilities. Um, and they've paid, a, they're paying a desperate price now because this is now a situation where it's clear U.S. and NATO is losing this war. Like, and, because it isn't a Ukrainian war. It's a U.S.-NATO war versus Russia and China. And U.S. and NATO are losing. And now they're desperate. And and they have to do something, um, and that's. No, I'll say more. I'll say more about that later.
4: I I think I think of a mock boxing match, and you know the U.S. took took its shot, and it, it missed terribly. Um, and you know something else that uh, this guy uh, Harold Kujat brought up was that right about uh, Taiwan, you know that. He says that at this point, the u s not only is gonna be unwilling but un incapable of, you know, saying what they will do for Taiwan and like sending a threat for China. So like he- he's talking about the weakness uh, of the u s and you know, on that note, right? like um I, I see now that the u s is incapable of mounting, you know, a war with uh you know, put uh, boots on the ground, right? Like there is, they have a hard time right now. Uh, according to what I heard from uh, this guy, um, uh the U.S. had to slash its, uh, you know, forces, its military forces because they cannot uh, recruit people. So rather than, you know, then say we can't recruit, they just, slide, you know, cut the forces that they, they say they have. Uh, and so what this tells me then you know, like in in a situation where the, the U.S. is finding itself in a difficult problem, it, it makes the prospects of nuclear war even more possible because, you know, it, they have to use their bigger, the you know, they have to swing harder, right? Because they thought they had the fight, you know, in their hands. You know, we're going to punch this, you know, the weak, this weak guy over here, you know, Russians, you know, and, and make their their economy scream. They didn't, <laughs> you know. Um, and 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 so again the, the US cannot use his uh you know like its carriers or its projection of 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 force around the world because it, it can be destroyed And like Lipson said it, the, the, the 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 military machinery of the US is expensive as hell you know and 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 again someone like the Houthis can just wreak havoc on your operation And so, again, this makes, for me, a a, a scary prospect of nuclear war possible because uh, the bigger hammers are going to have to come out for the U.S.
3: Yeah. And, Ibarra, do you want to say anything? Because I was going to go towards Macron's statement. Um, And that gets us
2: to Macron saying this this thing about, hey, he, he called... 20 leaders from Europe together in, in Paris. And they talked about we we the idea of NATO troops going into Ukraine cannot be taken off the table, basically, right? He said that. That's what he said. And he admitted that there was not agreement on that. They did reach agreement on other things in re- relationship to supporting Ukraine. He's saying they didn't reach agreement on that. Um, and then a lot of people like... The Duran, um, there's some other people I've listened to, pretty much are saying, nah, there's no way that's going to happen. Um, like that Macron is just talking shit and NATO doesn't have the troops to do it, you know, um, like kind of like what Colonel, what Douglas McGregor is saying, because, and I don't agree with that. I, I do agree that they don't ultimately have the size of the force yet, but, but I do believe they're going to do it. Um and I re- the reason I believe that, that McGregor and the Duran and some of the folks are wrong is they don't think that this is going to lead to nuclear war. That's one thing that they just, they can't imagine. They, they, all of them always say, there's no way they're going to do this. There's no way it's going to go to, nu-. and when they do talk about nuclear war, they always talk about it in terms of Putin, like thinking that that's the guy who might be doing this. You know, don't push Putin too far. That's not what Putin has to do right now. He's winning. Russia is winning. Um, and I want to spell that out a little bit more because before I talk about M- Macron, Zelensky came went to Munich and talked about how you, Ukraine had, thir- had lost 31,000 soldiers and Russia had lost 180,000. If that was the case, then Ukraine would be winning, NATO would be winning, and you would not be firing your general, <laughs> which is what they did recently. If, if that's the numbers you have. Now the German guy is is citing numbers that I think are really realistic, particularly given a seven to ten to one difference in ammunition, in like artillery shells and like lobbing them, uh, generating them and and firing them. That Russia everyone acknowledges Russia has an adva- advantage on that. Everyone acknowledges that Russia has air superiority. Everyone acknowledges that they have better trained troops and better uh, better logistics. Um, so. The numbers I'm hearing are closer to like Russia losing, at this point, killed 60,000 and Ukraine 500,000. And that's one of the reasons why Ukraine is considering or put is talking about having to uh, call up another 500,000 soldiers. It's, you don't lose 30,000 and say call up 500,000. You know, they have lost a bunch and they're just they're just lying. And and. This has been exposed by this recent advance in the city of Avdivka. Avdivka, Avdivka was a, 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 a fortress for the Ukrainian army and largely a place from which they can lob missiles and shells into into the Donbass and um, in that region. And it was fortified heavily and no one expected it. It's been fought over for two years and, lo- and Russia has lost a lot of material and soldiers over it. Not as much, maybe not almost as much as Bakhmut, but, but in the very recently, and largely, I think, as a result of the complete defeat in, their, in their, the Ukrainian counteroffensive, which they tried in, the, in this uh, winter, or no, they did in the spring, uh, or I guess, no, last summer, last summer that they did it, because they, they kept delaying it. So that complete failure of that, and, there, and the defeat of, of the Ukrainian army in that, losing so many soldiers, losing so much material has put a situation where they're they're now weak and they and they had another meat grinder here where uh Ukraine was essentially throwing soldiers into Avdivkov to try to preserve it. And ultimately what happened was when at the very same time uh Zelensky was being fired and Sersky was coming in troops were given or like and a major force like the the Azov battalions were being sent in to try to like force up a defense there, the Azov Battalion, that Azov Battalion, they're called the Third Battalion now, they don't call them the, them the Nazis, um, now was like literally describing being surrounded in war, like 360 degree warfare. And they retreated. They, they did some of their work, but they had to get out of there. And supposedly, I believe those soldiers left without orders to leave. And then Sierski, after the fact, gave the orders to leave. This is a, this is a military cracking. And now what has happened is on long and a gigantic front, Russia has been taking land bit by bit by bit. A war of attrition has now been turned into a war of territory and attrition. And the, what's happening to the Ukrainians is they keep trying to retreat and forming lines, but the Russians keep chasing them fast enough to not allow them to form lines. And what, what Ukraine has to do here is what Russia had to do when they were finding themselves Thin line, thin. You have to retreat to a to a to a line of a river, to a place where you can defend. But Ukraine seems unwilling to do this, um, and they seem to try to find a defense always only a few kilometers away from the front. And what the, what Russia is doing is chasing them down, and that's why they're just they're they're killing more Ukrainians. They're getting more territory. It's demoralizing the military, and it's frightening the fuck out of out of Europe, and out of the United States. Not in terms of Russia taking over the globe. But in terms of the fact that they know that their that their proxy is a month away from out of out of military out of um, munitions. And here's in my opinion, here's the real reason why there's a finagling over 60 billion in the United States. Like, and people are saying, oh, the Republicans are stopping this. Be, let's be clear. Trump and the Republic, Trump, Trump is the Republicans over here and Biden is the Democrats. Both of them support the war. Trump has changed his tune now. Trump is now saying, "You know, we got to get NATO to help us with this war." Um, so Trump is going to fight this war just as much as Biden. Anybody who believes voting for Trump is going to stop this war is wrong. The reason that there's a whole finagle, there's other political reasons, is the fact that regardless of the u s. coming up with sixty billion, the u s. is out of stocks of ammunition. They are they don't they don't have the ability to produce like like Russia does. And that's the real, and that's what they're trying to now undo. When they talk about raising sixty billion, it's ultimately sixty billion that's going to be spent in the United States to build a war economy. That's going to take at least five years, right? The U.S. knows that, and they have to do it because they have to fight three wars. They've got to fight a war against against Russia. They have to support Israel in what's going on in, in the Middle East, and they have to fight China, right? They, now they're talking about a three front war. <clears throat> so. That's what's happening right now. So now let's get back to NATO. Macron's statement was not just hot air. Do, have either of you heard of Operation Steadfast Defender? OK, this is, I hadn't heard about it either. NATO is already going in going that direction. Steadfast Defender is the largest mobilization of NATO in its, almost in its history. Um, 90,000 troops are being sent eastward to build logistical corridors up in that region, it's starting in January, it's extending all the way till May, but it's basically a, an attempt to say, we must build a way of taking anything we have that's in Central Europe or Western Europe and allow it to quickly get into Eastern Europe and to Ukraine. That, that's not something that they're... That, and this thing started, Steadfast Defender, started in the middle of January, and it's going through May. So well before Macron was talking about sending troops over there. So the plan was to, the plan is already, in it's already happening. They're already setting it up. And all this thing of like, Macron said this, and other people are going to say, no, we're not going to do that. That is standard stuff among politicians as they try to soften the public for these inevitabilities. So NATO is going in, and they have to go in, and they're not going in to fight directly. They're going in to be on the western flank of Ukraine to free up soldiers within Ukraine so more Ukrainians can die on the front. They have no intention at this point of being on the front with the Ukraine with Ukraine. But the problem is is Russia is already killing French French mercenaries in Ukraine and they're going to do that to any soldiers that come in. And Europe believes that Russia won't do that. But Russia already knows That they are that they can defeat NATO. They didn't think they could defeat NATO. Now they know that they can actually build more ammunition than NATO. They know how to fight better than NATO. They've got more soldiers than NATO. We're talking about five hundred thousand Russian troops on that line. That is is taken from a total of eight hundred thousand that they have able to be activated, and that's up to one point two million that could be quickly brought in. I mean, not quick within a within a year brought in to 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 fight on a front and. And they know how to do this stuff now. Like you said, it's new warfare. It's drone warfare that, that has changed the, the, the nature of war. Tanks are necessary, but how you fight with them is different. And Russia knows how to do it. Ukrainians did know how to do it, but they keep dying and they keep getting killed. So all the, they're not building the expertise. They're just telling the tales later. And then the United States is trying to change its doctrine somehow now. But it, it's nothing close to having tens of thousands of cadre of soldiers who actually know how to fight that war, and he could train other ones. And that's Russia right now. So it's a, in my mind, it's a wrap. But what I mean by that is people keep thinking US is going to be suing for peace. US is going to see that it's going to get defeated and it's going to sue for peace. That's not going to happen. They can't, this is not, in my opinion, this is not a conflict they can walk away from. They must win. Macron is right. He's absolutely right, that if, if they lose, it's over. And it's not like Afghanistan or Iraq, where you can be like, we'll, we'll re, reshift forces. This is the center of axis of a global war that is taking place, not just, it's, it's centered around Europe and Ukraine, but it's a war that's taking place in Iran and Israel and Hezbollah and that place. It's a war taking place in Africa right now, where, where they're losing and there've been coups. And it's a war taking place in China, along the Pacific, along the South Pacific and, and Taiwan. And it's a global war. It's already there. And it's that we've only begun to see this. There will be troops there. They're already preparing. And Russia's victory, which is celebrated by people who rightly are critical of this war, people have to understand Russia's victory only means US and NATO must respond more crazy. They have to. Because Losing is not an option, and that's why. That's why the German general he said limited nuclear war. He didn't want to say he knows what he's saying when he says that. He knows there's no such thing as limited nuclear war. That guy's clearly smart, but he knows that this is where it's going. And if once it's limited, then it's unlimited. Um, Because the other thing he said, when he said every any German general who would would uh, talk about Clausewitz, Clausewitz said that when you have a conflict. In which the parties have no way of talking politically and speaking, then the only thing that can happen is the conflict must go maximum. Then the, then the way that they, these parties will talk to each other is through war and, and in winning that war. There's no conversation at this point. And so there, there won't be a conversation because it's an existential moment here. China's not going to lose, Russia's not going to lose, and the United States is not going to lose. And Europe has already set its path with the United States and I actually do believe that maybe this. I wonder sometimes if it if you could unhook Europe from the United States, would that just sink the U.S. ship so much that we could avoid the global war that way? Part of me wonders, but that doesn't seem to be on the cards.
3: Uh,
1: oh, no, ahead, just go. just very quickly, but you know, the general did say at the end, you know, there is only two ways to do go about this, which is. Negotiations, right? The peace negotiation, or the fate of our world will be decided at the battlefield, which is victory for Russia, and that means us entering into World War Three. Basically, he didn't say it just like that. So, if we do enter into peace negotiations, we might just be able to prevent World War Three. I mean, do you think that's a possibility, or do you think we're just too far?
2: We are too far away from that because Russia and China will basically say, "Yeah, peace negotiations, you lose, you lose." So we we will we will rewrite the world in terms that assure our victory. Yeah, you're fine, United States, you're fine, but we're gonna we're gonna eat your lunch in South America. We're gonna eat your lunch in Africa. It's over. It's it's we're gonna surround you with Belt and Road initiatives. Bye. <laughs> no, so and that's what they're gonna do because that's what that's the goal. And they're not even going to threaten to say we're going to fight you. We're just going to like fucking out market you. Mm-hmm. But no, no, there's no peace agreement. Cuz the US is- the, the the terms are surrender United States. United States surrender. Give up Hegemony. Hegemony.
3: And this is something we've been
4: saying right from before. This is a, a it's a winner take all type of shit. This is not like a you know it's, this is not about bad characters, bad politicians, bad individuals. This is like a systemic thing. And like it's about, you know, winning and the US not losing its grip in, in power. And, you know, like we've, I, at least I always think of the British Empire and how it fucking went down, you know, and, and how the, uh, because also Germany, right, like was vying to be a bigger empire at that time and, you know, in, in, in Japan and, and so, if you see the echoes, like here we are, here we are again, you know. And there is alliances and and shit, but things get put into motion that you know are unleashed, and, 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 and the latest technological you know advancements are in display in, in in full violence, and 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 I think that we're magnitudes of 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 uh, you know, order. We're like multiple. We're the technology of today is way more violent than the technology of the Second World War. The potential for violence, you know, and, and the U.S. also can't lose this war because then how are they going to go and pressure Latin America? You know, they're already Latin America's already seen, you know, or, or Africa, you know, and because yes, the Belt and Road Initiative on one, you know, it's not it's diplomatic bullshit too, but you know, the military capacity is being built there you know, there is coercion, you know, you got to get people to do based on, you know, your the fear of your might, you know, <laughs> and, and the U.S. is losing that, you know, and, and, and so that's the battle that's going to project their power, you know, their strength on, on the world, and, you know, and, and so I, unfortunately, I think we're at the beginnings of an acceleration, you know, um, because I was thinking of, you know, those 60 billion, right, like, so th- that is another, I think, point to kind of clarify that the money that is "quote unquote" being sent to Ukraine, yeah, some of it pays for you know their government and the people over there, but a lot of the money stays here to the to, for the industry here, you know, in the U.S. tactically. In like, you know, we've talked about uh, like the whole uh, military rule came up right, last time in the la- the last episode. Yes, the U.S. is behind on its uh, on the industrial capacity. Yes, the U.S. is weak on uh, it, its boots on the ground. But do you think they're going to stay st- there? They have to press the fucking ass, you know, and they're going to have to come up with reasons to industrialize, to develop is, in fast the, the, the military industri- industrial capacity here in its territory where they can defend it. Right. They also are going to have to come up with excuses to get people to go fucking die for this country. And so that that is also like a prospect of how much more we're going to be bombarded with bullshit including <laughs> terrorism and shit you know to to to, to get people to go and die in the name of, of of you know of the bullshit democracy that they you know they claim. And so that's what's at stake it's not just the war over there you know they they're coming for fucking hearts and minds in this country they have to. You know and there is no other way it's 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 all hands on deck. <laughs> You know, and, and so we're gonna have to be watchful for
3: that kind of shit because you know, the war has started. Is you know, the third world war I think it has started.
2: Yeah, Jessica said it when 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 we all when well, well at least when I said this wasn't gonna happen back two years ago. When I said, No, Russia ain't not gonna do that and it happened, Jessica basically said right off, I guess we started World War Three, and I was like I guess so but yeah that's that's what we were doing and I do believe I do believe this is no this is not a long drawn out poker thing poker thing this is now an all in moment and one other thing I was cuz I was thinking about if there was going to be a peace agreement reached it's going to be on the basis of the victors trying to say can we avoid a nuclear war but here's the problem Russia's probably lost 60,000 troops. 60,000 Russians were killed. Do you do you see Russia going to the table with a, with a strong hand with 60,000 of its own soldiers dead, going, "Yeah, we're going to give a, we're going to give some, we don't have to give you anything. We have nothing to give you, but we're going to go ahead and be nice and allow you to still play in the in the pond and be a competitor to us after we had 60,000 killed." And that's now because it's going to be more. We're going to get up to 100, 150, 200,000. The numbers are going gr- to grow on the other side too. They're going to grow here on this side. So all of these numbers as they grow just mean there's no point of return here. You have to win. Because it would be irresponsible as a leader to not you would be sacrificing your own your own side to give over to the people who just killed 60,000 of your soldiers. So they can't. An agreement could have been reached in April. It could have been reached in April. But the United States said no. April 2022. The United States said no because one, it wants to control the globe. It knew competitors were coming and it knew it was going to have to use violence, military violence and economic violence to try to crush its opponent. And it thought it could do it and it was wrong.
3: And, and I just want <clears throat> to do that. This didn't happen suddenly. <laughs> you
4: know, this was like, you know, we've we talked about how, you know, the ruling classes or you know in, they, they think decades ahead. You know, um if we know Ukraine like started in 2014, right? And and this is kind of like the culmination of a lot of steps along that way. And so in if they were making those moves, they knew they were gonna have to go after Russia back then. You know, and even before that, because they were they were pushing, they were they were projecting, you know, this alliance, right? Uh, you know, between uh, uh, Russia and China, and and also like I, I think of the pipeline, right? Like because one of the scenarios that, that the German-Russian pipeline, right? One of the things that I have heard is that there was possibly. A device that was installed to be detonated at a different point so that again shows strategic planning you know from 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 back then you know we don't know exactly when that was years months whatever but the 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 fact is that they're playing a long game and i think this is just where the game is getting you know more uh there's more friction you know like they had more
3: room and there is there's little to no room anymore i think that does it for me <laughs> yeah, me too yeah.
2: oh my goodness yeah it's uh... i think all i say for people who've listened to other folks is my, the biggest thing for me is we are at the beginning this is not coming to an end anytime soon unless it goes, it's really crazy like it could come to an end very soon actually if you think about it but that's that's just where like some giant mistake gets made and missiles get sent and submarines go off and nuclear it's, it becomes nuclear quickly but it we are at
3: just at the beginning of a, of this war of a global war and it, it russian victory is not close it's and, and this is and i and i start thinking
4: about like like i said for me right like How are they going to get the American minds to get behind the American project of the left MAGA, right MAGA, Democrat, Republican MAGA, right? Like, but then I think about, like, the border. I was like, oh, wow, they're all in it now. Like, you know, like those those quote unquote extremes, they're all about
3: securing the border. You know, that fast. You know, in in just we 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 went through
4: COVID. We know how much they can use the propaganda machine to get you to consent to something that is detrimental to your own health without evidence. You know, and so if you think they're not willing or incapable, then I don't know where you've lived. You know, in the last whatever four years, uh, because. That's that was the scary part of COVID, right? Yes, the shot, right? Like, and yes, you know, fuck that shit. But it, it was how quickly they got so many people to consent behind a project that had roots, you know, in the military like in, in the ruling class. You know, it, it just got away with murder. <laughs> you know, in in, in you know, on one way trying to save its fucking system, its capitalist system. You know, and we went on over. We went through the biggest transfer of wealth in the history of humanity, and nobody said a fucking shit. And now, and, and now here we are. You know, accepting our lives are way more expensive. You know, and again, the COVID shots. They, they, they know they're they're willing to sacrifice this population, just like the Russians are. Yeah, and the U.S. is gonna have to do it if they want to win. They're gonna have to throw bodies there.
2: Yeah, and. I'll just say the United States faced a similar thing when they thought in 1991, when the Soviet Union had, was definitely gone and, you know, George Bush says it's a new world order. It's our world. They defeated Iraq, the first in World War I. Well, and they, things people thought about it was the end of history. Francis Fukuyama, you know, was just going to be Western democracy running the globe. Um by, by, by 2000 that's, that that's already being called into question. Already the uS. was cracking, couldn't hold on to Iraq anymore. the sanctions were cracking, and they had to, they had to, they had to get people to buy into a new war. They destroyed the World Trade Center to do that. The u.S. destroyed the World Trade Center to, to, to initiate the possibility of expanding their military empire. The US. will destroy a city in order to get people to fight Russia.
3: That's what's going to happen next. They'll, they'll right. Do
2: it. Let's not go too far. That's <laughs> that's where it's going, folks. And it's not going to be a city in Russia. It's going to be a city in Europe.
3: It's going to be a city in Europe, more likely.
1: Oh my gosh! Well, that is a prediction that we haven't done our 2024 predictions, and I think you just did one.
2: Well, and- I'm not saying it's happening this year, but. When the shit hits the—the the U.S. feel like it has nowhere left to go, it's going to have to blow up a nuclear device in a city. That's what that they're going to have to do. Because it makes no sense for Russia to do it. They're winning.
3: That's what, that's
2: what you would do. I mean, look, Pearl Harbor was a, was an inside job. It was a setup, essentially. So they destroyed a big part of their fleet in, the, in, the, in Hawaii to basically make it possible to justify fighting the Japanese in the, in the Pacific.
3: They're going to blow up a city to do this. Either that or it was just a coincidence that they had a bunch of ships together, right? During a time of war. <laughs> right. Yeah, so that's how I look at it.
2: I mean, and then if they do that, people are going to have to have their heads on straight and recognize that your government is using you again. The body count's going to get bigger, but they're just... You have to keep your heads on straight and recognize your biggest enemy is at home. If you don't understand that, if you think your enemies on the border, if you think your enemies in Russia, if you think your enemies in China, they're going to fuck you with that.
3: Right, well, that's a way to end the episode. <laughs> Happy Valentine's.
1: <laughs> Happy end of... Romantic February. <laughs> yes. Black History Month. Black History Month. That's true. Yeah. Well, any last comments? I think you just gave the
2: last. I think you guys. I'm sure. really glad I can share this thing I found with you. And it was just exciting to see you guys just find all the things that I found in it. I just found it. Like, I know you both. Well, I think, Kenny, you, you pay, but Eduardo, that's not your beat. I know you're not. You don't follow the Ukraine thing as much. You follow like this important thing that El Salvador that it's not our most watched episode, but this Bukele guy is very important to keep your eyes on for understanding what kind of leaders you're going to be looking at in the future. So I just appreciate that each of you has your own areas that you look at, but I, I appreciate being able to share things I'm looking at and, and see how much you you got from it. It's just exciting. Yeah.
1: Well, I've certainly learned a lot and I appreciate you sharing this information with us. I think a lot of people are burned out with the Ukrainian information of what's happening. But as we look further into this and I do appreciate this analysis, it gives me a
2: lot of thought
1: about our future,
2: which- And I'll also put links about Steadfast Defender in there too. That's important stuff. Yeah.
1: All right, let's conclude <laughs> thank you both well that does it for this week's episode <clears throat> what's left is a weekly political podcast slash channel channel is in the mainstream left we post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes Where you have this episode or on our blog at once left podcast.com you can find past episodes to this podcast slash channel there and connect with us. I remind folks, if you like anything you've heard here, please uh, subscribe, rate, view, turn on your notifications any of our, uh, to any of our platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Podcasts, it YouTube, Rumble, Telegram or Telegram. And you can find our blog to any of those links and any of those links in the episode notes where we found this episode. If you would like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. I'm Eduardo Varga with co-hosts Andy Lipson and Kenny Cepeda and uh, you can always check us out uh, in the next episode. Thank you all for listening. Ciao! How dreadfully apocalyptic